Welcome back to this week's edition of the Flushing It podcast. My name's Tom and I'm joined today by legendary sports manager Chubby Chandler. He's had famous golfers on the books like Rory McIlroy, Ernie Els, Darren Clark and Lee Westwood. We have a back and forth about the current state of professional golf and also where we see it going into the future. And Chubby also tells some great stories about the lads which he's had on his books. Before we break into that though, I just want to quickly thank you all for your support in 2023. Flushing it's grown real quick, like way quicker than I ever thought it would. And it's sort of getting to levels now, which um, I just, you know, I never imagined in my wildest dreams. But it's been a lot of fun doing it and I hope you guys enjoy the content as much as I do making it. Because it's, it's so much fun, it really is. And I just can't wait to see what sort of comes about with flushing it in 2024. Right, next up is Chubby Chandler. So Chubby, are you, are you fully retired now? Uh, not real, not quite. Not quite. I'm um, I'm doing a bit of consultancy. I'm doing a bit of a bit of this and that. But I don't, I don't, I don't have an office, and I don't work hours. I just do a bit of stuff. I quite right, like it, like that. Yeah, I'm, I quite like it. Yeah, I was going to say it's a hell of a market right now. There's so much money flying around. It's be impossible to be out of the game right now, surely. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a funny sort of way, I never ever look back, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a waste of time looking back because you can't do anything about it, can you? You can affect what's going to happen tomorrow maybe, but not, not what, what happened yesterday. And in some ways, yeah, I regret it because if it had been 10 years before, we'd have made gazillions, but it wasn't 10 years before. And if it had been 20 years before, I wasn't any good anyway. So... It doesn't bother. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me that much. I, I think you know from from where I stand with all this. It's quite interesting to be neutral. Because I'm really neutral. You know what I mean. I'm. I just have no side whatsoever. In fact, I'm going to ask you something afterwards. Because okay, you know some of them I actually I don't get. I don't get so. You might be able to ask answer the big question. We can have a back and forth. That would be good because um, I think some people yeah. have an they have an idea in their head of what certain people think, and then they kind of assume that you're one side or the other. And certainly, you see it now with politics, but it's happening in golf where it's so polarizing the argument that they believe that you're either this or you're that, and there's no in between. And I like to hope that I'm a bit more in between. I certainly know that you are. So yeah, it'll be good to have a little bit of back and forth on on this whole yeah. sort of where the game is at the moment. So I guess this leads into the next question then. What do you make of where the professional game is right now? Um, pretty good, because to my way of thinking, for 15 years, something needed to happen. You know, the, 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 the Golf Association served up a dish of 72-hole match play Thursday to Sunday in five different places in the world. And it was very samey and takes a long time to get interesting. You know, the first two days of a PGA Tour event aren't much good at... None of the events are that much good at, until it even gets to Sunday. Maybe Saturday, but it's needed something. And the something came along with people that actually had enough money to make a difference. Because if you think about it, nobody could have done what's gone on without $2 billion, $3 billion. And, and in a way, that's why it's crazy that, that Jay Monaghan never spoke to the Saudis because nobody would ever come into golf with anything like that money and, and unfortunately unfortunately the Americans being American thought 
that was it. They were it, and there is no more. And they didn't even think of the European tourists much below being below them and, oh, we'll look after them. So I think, you know, the, the fact it came along and the fact they, they've managed to change everything so quickly in two years, I think is, is pretty amazing. And they're bound to have made mistakes and people are bound to have made the, 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 the wrong comment here, the wrong comment there. I think what's a shame that people actually got personal and started bitching and moaning at each other, which, you know, there's no room for that. I mean, it was, you know, sitting from where I was sat, from the outside looking in, but knowing people, you think, what are they doing? Why are they, why are they talking all the time? The guys that went to live and didn't say anything have had their reputations, you know, are still all right. The guys that went there and chirped backwards and forwards and tried to make it look like they were trying to grow the game or whatever, they've just come out of it looking a bit stupid. But they'll get there in the end, won't they? I mean, I think I think the live product's actually quite good once they've rounded off the edges. Yeah, and I agree with that. And everything you said there about you kind of needed two or three billion to come into the game to be able to get it off the ground. I think that's kind of been proven because you had to have a sovereign wealth fund with that much money and someone like Greg who who doesn't care about what people think about him to be able to get it there because we've seen the pushback over the last year and a half. It's been something that I never expected to see in golf before. So it says a lot really, doesn't it? Um, yeah. You carry on, mate. It's, you got so, I well, think you've got something more to say. Know- you, as I said to you this afternoon, I listened to you and Kevin Peterson and Bob Harrick just so I got your, your interviewing style and you actually said nothing. Because yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> KP took it all. But, I mean, it, it is an absolute uh, mirror image of, of what the IPL is and, and how they got it going and everything. But there's a lot of Formula One in there as well. There's a lot of Formula One. And I think... I think that one of the biggest, the interesting thing that's happened recently is Callaway coming in with um, John Rahm, and I can see, I can see the the equipment manager manufacturers and the clothing manufacturers. I think they've sat on the the subs bench waiting to see what might happen, and I think you know. So there was talk two years ago of Adidas having a team, that would have been very smart. I think, I think you know, sort of for for somebody like that to have a team that. Had a lot of marketing dollars to get behind it. Had a brand, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that would have been, you know, quite an interesting move. But the fact that Callaway have come in now, I would think one or two others will come in because the idea. I met you at uh, Centurion, didn't I? That's right. Yeah. And, and the idea there was to have, eventually, trailers on the range, with their equip the, the equipment, with the workshop and everything. And, and the players will practice in front of their trailer. And then when the shotgun start went, then the, that team's guests went and got fitted for some clubs and went and hit them on the range while everybody was playing. And that's, I mean, that's a really cool idea, isn't it? And that's, you know, if you have a few people like that wondering about the range, that becomes like Formula One. Because one of the best bits of Formula One's um, your man that walks up and down the grid, Martin Brunson. Yeah. That's one of the yeah. best bits, isn't it? And, and especially when he gets fobbed off. So, you know, if, yeah. if, somebody, went, if somebody went up to talk, talk to a grumpy Brooks Kepka and he just he battered him away, that, I think that would be quite, quite funny. But, you know, it is, it is a cross between the IPL, Formula One, with golf as a conduit in the middle. And it, it's, it, it depends how long they get manage to go on for because it, it, it could be excellent. It could be excellent. 
I agree with that. There's so much potential and it's only just started out. Like, you know, I, I get frustrated sometimes with um, the lack of communication and things, but there's so much going on behind the scenes that I can understand why it's been like that. It's their 18 months into a product, which they just sort of jumped into on the fly, didn't they? So there is a serious amount of potential there going forwards. But um, yeah, when you mentioned about Callaway coming in to like potentially take, uh, I've heard that they might take equity in John Rahm's team. So do you think that's the future? Like you could have like a, say John calls it whatever, El Toro, and it's like Callaway El Toro could be the team. Yeah, 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 certainly. And, you know, then will you get a tailor-made team? Will you get a ping team? Will you get a Nike team? You know, there's all sorts of possibilities. And and even to the point that a manufacturer could have two teams because they have two teams in Formula One, some some of them. I think think it's very like IPL, but... I think it's also got a lot of Formula One in it. It's, do you think it is like the IPL? Because the 2020 cricket format was was basically born in England, wasn't it? And the ECB ran that until it was taken over by the IPL. So is well, golf because golf was it was born, like golf, golf was born here and then it was taken over by the PGA Tour. It's the same thing, isn't it? The yeah, big, boy, the, it the big boys, simple. the big boys get what they want and. And at the end of the day, the Indians, because of their love of cricket, they were always going to take to that. And, and I mean, I love it. I love watching the IPL. I watch the Big Bash. I watch them all because I like cricket. And and I think that the, the shame of it is the game of golf, you can't have that short version, really. You know, the three rounds instead of four, it doesn't really do it. You know, maybe if it was 12 holes, it might be a bit more like it. But, but it's... Um, yeah. It's, it's very good. It's got a good feel, that, the live events. When I've, I've only been to the two in this country, but they've, they've had a really good feel. And I, one of the biggest things, which is a non-Anglophile uh, thing, because I don't think we do it very well, but the announcer on the first tee, the MC, the big American, right, guys, you're on. They do that so well, and it did build it up. And in 15 minutes, everybody's going to be on their tee, and in 10 minutes, they're going to hit off, and whatever, whatever. And... If, it, if you have an English voice doing that, it doesn't work. You know, it's, it's one true. of those things, isn't it? It's like a golf commentator. If, if Ewan Murray says, wow, it doesn't come across the same as if an American says, wow. Yeah, it's very so, true. That, Jay, is he's really good at what he does as well. It's, um, I follow him a bit on Instagram. He does stuff with like, the NBA yeah. and that as well. So yeah. he's a proper pro. So at the um the second live event you went to it's uh, was at Centurion and you went the year before. So how much development did you see like in that twelve month period? Sort of had it progressed more than you thought it would have done? Um. Yes and no. It was pretty similar to the first year, to be honest. Um, the first with year more was people, good, with more people, but there were still decent people the first year. I don't know what the crowds were. Did you did you know what the crowds were? Um, I believe it was about 45,000 because they were capped at 15,000 a day and I think they sold out the Saturday and were just under for the other two. Did they? That was a good effort though, wasn't it? Because obviously so... we've, we've, we've got a vested interest because we've got one at JCB this year and it's a little bit off the beaten track. So it might not get as many as 15,000 a day, but then quite a lot of people want to see what this JCB thing's like. So... I think they'll get decent crowds. And it's close to Birmingham as well, I guess. So it's not too bad to travel. It's, like It's about the same from Birmingham and Manchester. 
Is it? Yeah. About the same. Yeah. It's, I'm really looking forward to that event because I've never played JCB and I've heard a lot about it. I watched Rick Shields' video there, actually. And it's, um, I mean, you said on Matt's podcast, that was really good, by the way, your podcast with Matt Vincenzi. Really enjoyed that. Um, but you said that the Greens were running at 11, like two weeks ago. Is that right? The Greens were 11 two weeks, three weeks ago now. They're unbelievable. They, were all, they might have been the best Greens I've ever footed on anywhere. Because nobody incredible. played. Nobody played. We were out at 9.30. I don't know whether the Greens uh, director can't call him a greenkeeper anymore. Really, he's not. A, he's a bit better than that. Um, but Callum might have known we were playing, and there were only four. There were only four of us on the course. There was one group on the course that day because I asked. I said, "Who's behind us?" And they said, 9.30 tomorrow." <laughs> and, <laughs> and wow! And so we played on these greens that have been rolled and 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 cut. And they were absolutely fantastic. And then nobody else played in the day. It was great. Yeah, that is amazing. So how many members are there at the JCB club? About eight, I think. Really? Corporates. They're all corporate is, members. Is that a conscious decision to have that few members? Um, the gentleman who makes all those decisions is the boss of JCB. Okay. Graham, Graham McDonald. And he was going to have 120, and he employed a membership person to get it up to 120. And last year, at the beginning of the year, maybe at the end of the last the year before, the same person had the target to get it down to 80 because there were too many. <laughs> wow, that's hilarious. He's was he at Centurion with you um, this year? He was. He was. Yeah. So he was. What? What went into his decision to, to decide to take on a live event? Did he just enjoy the experience this year? Um, we'd already almost done it by then. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of big factors. He, he wanted an event. He wanted a big event. We'd had two very successful seniors events. Um, and we brought in Darren, Ernie Els, BJ Singh, Monty, um, Jim Furick, but he left it injured. John Daly, Retief Hillerson. You know, it was a lovely field. But the, the thing was then, you, next year, you'd have had, you'd have invited the same guys back because there are very few new personalities going on the Champions Tour, if you think about it. The, yeah, it's a legend very, Yeah, legend stuff. And, yeah. and with, with, with some invites and some appearance fees. But you, you think about it these days in golf, on any tour, there's no particular personalities because it's now a different game. Everybody's very fit. Nobody has a drink. And they're playing for a lot more money. So it's bound to get a bit more intense, even at that level. But but I'd, my point to them was that the best we could hope for was a co-sanctioned Legends Tour Champions Tour. But are we doing that much better by having with respect to David Toms, David Toms and people like that, on top of what we got. So we'd almost reached the ceiling of where we were at. We were never going to get the BMW PGA. We were never going to get the Scottish Open because it happens not to be in Scotland. And there aren't any other very big European tour events. So where do you go? What was it? And I had the conversation with Liv back at the Open at St Andrews, saying I think that there's a chance that uh, I could get them interested and this, that and the other. And... And it went from there. And 
it was easier to uh, for Graham, the boss of JCB, to talk to Lord Bamford, who would be the ulterior ultimate decision maker. But we were going to spend exactly the same on the senior tour event and the champions tour as we are on the live event. So to me, it was a no brainer. I said, this will be the only chance you've got of getting Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Gepka, Cantwell, all those guys, even without John Rahm. And yeah. then, then, I, then, then I put in, I said, and you realise they're building 50 golf courses in Saudi and they're building a massive city. I said, somebody's got to move the stand around. You know, it's, exactly. it's, actually, yeah. it's, actually, it's actually a proper business decision. So there, in the end, it was an absolute no-brainer for JCB to be involved. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So how, I mean, I'm not expecting you to go into figures, but how much are they sort of in the ballpark? What are they paying to take live there? Is it like per year or is it for a contract over five years? It's two It's two years and it's uh, the total budget for the tournament is, I think, $45 million. For two years, wow. Each does year. That in, each does, year. Each year. Does that in- include the build-out? So that's all the... Yeah, the build-out, the yeah. prize money, everything. TV. Might be might be 50. That's... It was certainly 45, but it might have been 50. That's fascinating. So is there um is there anything that Lord Bamford, is there any players that he hasn't got coming that he'd like to see there if Liv made some more signings? I don't think we have a say in that, do we? Cause, cause, <laughs> no, you cause, don't, but I was just asking. No, but, 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 but the, other, the other way around... Graham said to me, he said, but will they all come? I said, they're all contracted to come. That's the whole point of it. You know, that you, you're not going to suddenly get one of them saying, oh, I'm having a week off this week, because they don't have weeks off. They play that little. They play every event. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so I guess he's, he's got... It's, it's very exciting. Yeah, very and, exciting. and this is how from... You can see how from a business model how that works because you know you've you've run events in the past and you you still don't know up to a couple of months in advance who's actually going to go and play, do you? So unless you paid a massive appearance fees. With with all the talk that's been going on for the last twelve months, it's almost like nobody has got an appearance fee to play the PGA tour or the European tour, and everybody did. Yeah. Amazing. But forget, don't don't forget, mate, they're all playing for legacy and tradition. They're not playing for money. No. Growing the game. <laughs> Exactly, they're all growing again, and their bank balance. Because, um, yeah, I mean that's that's quite an interesting. We can segue onto this. Like, as you know, you're you're still sort of connected in the game. Are there any players that you've heard might be interested in going to live? Um, no. Well, uh, last week there was everybody, wasn't there? I mean, there you, was, you yeah. know, you know more than me. It's nice the way you ask me. <laughs> um, I mean, Matt Vicenzi seemed to be certain that Finau was going. And he hasn't gone. And then there's massive talk of Hatton. And he hasn't gone. And I think Hatton, Hatton to me, probably wouldn't do it without it being even more than it should be. Because he's actually not in any... If he stops, he's not in any majors. You know what I mean? It's, it's easy for people like the Shambo and, and Mickelson and, and people like that, because they're all in the majors for another three or four years. And in three, four years' time, it'll all be different anyway. Everybody will hold hands up and let's let's get on with it. So somebody like Hatton that's not in all the majors, if he suddenly stops making world ranking points, he, he'll go down quickly. I didn't realise Louis Oosthuizen was 190th before last week, the last three weeks. Yeah. 
I thought it. I thought those two wins are putting back in the top fifty, but not. So, and he 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 might have been top ten before he went to live as well. So that's a dramatic. Yeah, it'd, be, it'd have been certainly near. Yeah, certainly crazy, near. isn't it? But it's, yeah, I understand that because I mean, obviously there was some comments out today from Victor Hovland, and I can see from his point of view why, even if he was given say two hundred and fifty million or something crazy like that, I can understand why he wouldn't go because access to the majors for someone like him is bigger than just himself because he's doing it for his country because he could be the first ever Norwegian major winner. And if he suddenly, you know, played this year and then he dropped out in 2025, that would be worth more than money, I think, to him and to all of his compatriots and everyone from Norway themselves. So I can understand that too. I would have thought too, Norway would be a country that would embrace the Olympics too. And, yeah. you know, for some, some countries, the Olympics far bigger than others, isn't it? And, and I think you know, so Norway would be one of those where the whole country would support Victor in the Olympics. You know, there'd be massive, massive interest. Anyway, the question Absolutely. I want the question I want to ask you. So Yazir and Jay are meeting this week. Put back from last week, meeting this week. What do each side want out of it? I can't work out why, why they, what the, what they're meeting for. And what each side will think is a positive result. I can't work out what it is. I can't work out because, you know, as he's signing uh, Ram so near it, sort of puts the cat amongst the pigeons a bit, doesn't it? And, it and I can't work it, I can't work out what going into the room, what they're both aiming to get out of it. I'd love to be on fly on the wall, actually. Yeah, I mean uh... I would love to be a fly on the wall in that too. It's I think you can tell what the PJ Tour want because their messaging has been they've they've fed their talking heads, you know, it's come out in the right places to say that it's come directly for the tour for these ideas that say on Friday ESPN uh, said that they're looking at three and a half billion from the strategic sports network, three and a half billion from the PIF, and then that's for fifty percent and fifty percent of the company of PJ Tour Enterprises will still be held by the PJ Tour and its members. So that's what they want in an so, ideal world. So, so do you think? So you think Yazir going into that meeting wants that partnership with those people, and and there's a good reason for him wanting it because that would strengthen all his business um, contacts and. You know, it will get it will get him into the the seat at the table that he wants, but but it doesn't do live any good. And how much good no. does it do? Do the PIF need it? I don't know. And and then you know, sort of the tour. If they're getting three and a half billion dollars off Liverpool FC and Co, why why do they need the PIF money? Well, it's a good question. But it's, a, I mean, they, Jay Manahan said this as soon as it was on um, June the 6th when the framework agreement was announced. He said in the, the very next press conference, we've taken a competitor off the table because that's what they want. I don't think they'd be that bothered in getting the PIF money if they if Liv didn't exist. It's just that because Liv is there and Liv is poaching players and Liv is taking viewership and potential sponsorships, whatever, away from them, they want that taken away because this has always been about power. And I think everyone can see that for, for the leadership of the tour, they've always just wanted to be the top dog and they've wanted to maintain their monopoly. And then someone's come along, which has completely blown out to pieces and they wanted to, to stop the threat as soon as they could. And that's what I believe they want. Um, but in, you know, the second part of your question is, is what does Yasser and the PIF want? Um, the bottom line is no one knows because he doesn't speak. 
so we get messaging like i hear third fourth fifth hand information from the live guys but they're all going to be optimistic aren't they and if you believe them it's going to be a super league what are they going to be what are they going to be optimistic about because i'll tell you what well, none yeah. none none of the none of the players playing live right now want to go back and play the bj tour they don't want to go back the caddies no. don't want to go back the players don't want to go back the the one thing you were, you were at Centurion, the one thing that was very obvious to me was that everybody had a smile on the face apart from Sergio. Because <laughs> Sergio, yeah. Sergio never does. But but everybody was everybody was smiling. Everybody's happy. It was unbelievable. And you know, I don't think they want to go back to 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 the normal tour. I think I think no. they're having a great time. They definitely don't want it. They play some events. I think we've heard enough from like Bubba Watson said on a podcast last week that he plays some events. And I think most of them would play a handful of events, but they want live to exist. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it is fascinating because I mean, as you know, I've, I've got well connected now. I talk to lots of people and I've never heard one like slight bit of doubt that, that live wouldn't continue to exist. I think Yasser said to some of these guys in a players meeting at Valderrama that live would be a, around longer than he is so that as long as he's on this earth lift will still be there so there comes the sticking point doesn't it with between the piff and the pj tour sure. is that they pj tour sure. want rid of live but does yasser and i don't believe that he does so and, and and at the end of the day if you've got all the chips on your side of the table as yasser why why would you let your baby go like that that's it's his baby and and it's just growing, you know what I mean? It's, people are just getting to understand that the the the, um, the team idea and all this business. So you wouldn't you wouldn't let it go at this stage because it, it would have just wasted all the money that he's put into it, and it's what he likes. And and if you, you can tell KP too that if he puts YouTube on his telly and presses Live Golf, it's there just like it is when it's on Sky or TNT or anything. I only. I should have corrected out. him. I only worked that out middle of the summer how easy it was to watch a television picture of live, but I did. I had the yeah. I had that app for a while. I'm thinking, well, this is good. I just put YouTube on, and it's there with theatre warbling away. But I mean, this highlights one of the the biggest criticisms I've had of live is that I don't think their messaging has been great because if someone like Kevin Peterson, who knows players on the tour, hasn't worked out yet that he can put YouTube on his TV and watch live there for free, then how many more you know members of the public and golf with golf fans and stuff? I also don't understand that. Like that's where they should be concentrating on to get these guys to actually put it on, and then and know, there's no commercials. It's amazing. Like, I don't understand how any golf fan cannot like live because it's you see no, golf shots. No, no commercial. <laughs> Someone should tell the PJ Tour that. Hey, eh? the price. We the price watch was, golf. The prices thing was in that uh, the last one at Royal Greens, the last normal event before Miami, when they interviewed Brooks and whoever it was interviewing him said, "Oh, and you finished third in the individual and you've won four million dollars." And he went, "How that?" He had no yeah. idea. He had no idea he won $4 million. Can you imagine that a few years ago? Just like, yeah. it's just crazy how much money's out there. Yeah. It really is. But um, if you say, I mean, you've had experience running tournaments, obviously being managers of some high-level players. If you had a dream scenario of what Liv would look like in five years and this franchise model was built properly into golf, how would you see it? Uh, I've said this quite a few times. I would have 
the team captain, so somebody like Ram and Mickelson, maybe with all with equity in the team or all the team, whatever it is. I think they get fifty percent, do they? And live keep fifty percent, maybe. It's twenty five percent. Is it? But it's different so, with the the majestics are different because they've got three captains. So I think they, yeah. I believe they've split the twenty five percent between. The yeah, three they have. They have. Okay. Yeah. So, to me, you'd have John Ram, Cam Smith, all these captains. Then you would have a good player. That would be number player two. Then you would have three lady, uh, a lady in each team that made a bit of sense. So. A lot of the a lot of the nations have a good lady, so there's a good Spanish lady, and there's good, obviously good Americans or whatever. And then I'd have a, a champions tour play, or or somebody maybe over forty five rather than fifty, because the South African team, with respect to all of them, because they're great players, Shal, Louis Stazen, Dean Burmester, and Brandon Grace, all good players. But it'd be a better team with Ernie in it. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? The, the 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 presence of it. And you could have an Irish team. You'd have Darren in it or Harrington in it. You'd have a, you know, I think that would, I think, and then if they'd have done that from the start, that would have made it much more like a team competition to everybody. Because you sort of look at it and think, oh, well, they must be in a team because at the moment they, they started off last year, it looked like four individuals playing, didn't it? It did. And they they rotated the teams last year so much. It didn't, none of it kind of made sense. Yeah. But- um, yeah, it's starting. To, you can see it's starting to build down. Excuse me, they're starting to put the sort of countries per team, aren't they? And um, like the Spanish team is pretty much all there apart from a bouncer. I was quite surprised actually they didn't somehow get John onto that team, the Fireballs, because it would have made sense to have John and Sergio. How good would that have been for this, mm. you know, the Spanish fans? But, yeah. Um, so you said earlier, sort of backtracking. You said earlier about people being vocal in public, and you wish the players didn't split so much. What did you make of how Rory's behaved in the last 18 months? I just don't understand why he thinks everybody wants to listen to what he wants to say because a lot of the stuff he says is sometimes incorrect and sometimes just not worth saying. And and some of the others have been the same. There's an awful lot of people said an awful lot of things that really would have been best left not said. And Rory could have done a lot more by... I mean, you know, why is he going on TV and say, I hate Liv? I mean, that's that's <laughs> not that's not cool, is it? And, you know, I think that the guys on Liv that haven't said anything have done much better than the guys that have said something in the public eye. The South Africans were called to a Zoom meeting or whatever by a prominent South African that's sponsors the Alfred Dunhill and he got them all together and he says very good, you're all going to make a lot of money, don't say a word and none of them have said a word and as I think nobody's thrown any mess at uh, Louis or anybody like that and, and and when he came back and played these last two weeks they'll have been everybody will have been absolutely fine with him isn't it strange how all these live players have just won in a in a, in a sort of like four week spell, they've won seven tournaments. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, I think it's five in it's five in a row on the time zones, but five out of six is what people are saying. But um, it is very interesting. And I did actually, I asked Greg about this early in the year, whether the schedule was sort of um, developed to help guys on their playing side and for them to perform in majors. And he said that a lot of thought went into that. 
and that they had scheduled it to give them enough break that they you know can develop for these tournaments which they want to play well in and it's, it's I think it's it's showing that they're not they're not overplayed this year and they've they're well rested even though they've had a full season and they're going out and dominating the European tour lands which have played 27 28 weeks and yeah don't have yeah. the energy left coming up to Christmas and the, so. the sharp is anything I mean they haven't lost any of the sharpness at all no not at all I mean Louis came I can't remember where he came I think uh, on the maybe 27th on the live stand and something like that so he wasn't anywhere near the top and for him to come and win back-to-back weeks is is really something it's, it's quite impressive well, Burmish do the same yeah and Wako Neiman as well he's he yeah. won the Australian Open after not a great season so yeah yeah I mean it really is fascinating but on the European tour side of things um, if we go way back to when uh, Performance 54 and the, uh, the PIF met with Keith Pelly and the European tour board um, would you have done anything differently? Um, well, I think in hindsight, they definitely should have had a goal with them, shouldn't they? Um, and I sort of get the impression that uh, Keith was guided by his chairman and the board and that he was a bit more open to it than than a lot of people. And at the end of the day, there was there was a chance about... 10, 12 years ago, where the European tour and because of the rate dollar rate, the prize money wasn't a massive difference. And you could see that Europe was going to be the rest of the world tour and the PJ tour was going to be the America's tour. And I think two years ago, he had a chance of making that happen again. Yeah, it's, I mean, I keep thinking to myself how good it would have been if um if somehow Liv and the European Tour were together and and obviously you had the domestic American Tour, which the PJ Tour effectively is a domestic tour, and then you had the World Tour that was that built in with um with the European Tour with all those prestigious events they have. It would have been quite something, wouldn't it? So Yeah. Yeah. It's it a shame. So you, you definitely know. wouldn't have sold out No, you definitely wouldn't have sold out to Pontevedra, would you? Uh, I would have tried not to. I think you know that their backs were against the wall at the end of COVID. Not many sponsors, a lot of player power, pressure. Um, you've got the PJ Tour saying, listen, we'll, we'll bankroll you for 13 years or whatever it is. It's it's hard not to say yes once you've said no to live. Fifth. Isn't it? Yeah. You know, the, 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 there, are, there were only two players that could have done. In hindsight, maybe there might have been a play with some private equity people because... You know, that, that's the way sport's going, isn't it? And it wouldn't have taken as much as these boys in the States are paying to get involved in that as it would have done to get Europe going. Well, that's that's where it all began, was when Phil Mickelson, he came out of Alan Shipnick's book, that Phil phoned Keith Pally himself and painted Keith as a visionary when um, I think it was Endeavour were looking to invest a lot of money into golf. And even that was rejected. I just wonder sometimes sort of how much influence... Uh, Jay Monahan, he had even sort of five or six years ago because it's it certainly feels like this was all orchestrated and those um, leaks, well, not leaked, the legal papers which came out over the summer kind of proved that as well in a way, didn't it? That they had planned this all along to take control of the European Tour and its Ryder Cup interests, um, which is, yeah, quite sad to think about, I think. But, but when, when, you think, when you think about it, though, you've got a job because of this. You 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 wouldn't be having this podcast right now if this wasn't all going on. All these people having podcasts and 
know, theories <laughs> and, and, and points of view. I mean, you know, those those uh, no laying up guys. I mean, they just they just talk about golf and live and Jay Monaghan and everything all day every day. That's true. I mean, yeah. I, I just listened to a bit of one of theirs as well, and they were saying uh, it's our last one before Christmas, but maybe not because there might be some news hitting this week. And they, then yeah. they rally the troops and they have another chat. So, I mean, this this isn't, this isn't, isn't yeah, it is. I mean, I didn't, I never intended on doing this kind of thing. It's just happened because of this story. And I felt like there needed to be a a different point of view because certainly everything seemed to be slanted one way at the beginning. And I could see the positives from this, particularly towards the Asian tour and the growth of um, Asian golf because of what's happening with Liv. So, yeah, I mean, also, like I said to you earlier, I I rushed home from site today, fitted a load of media cabinets and was, Back to have a quick interview with Chubby Chandler. It's a yeah. it's a pretty but, crazy but world. They, they, I bet you had one eye just in case anything bigger came on, and you had to go. Oh, we better talk about something different. I've always got my notifications on. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, for news stories. I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet. You, never, so you never know. I mean, so like I say, it, it'll be. I don't know. I don't know what's going to come out this week. Um, it doesn't look like they're going to sign any more players before the meeting. Now, does it? Because. The ones that were muted to sign haven't signed, and there's yeah. there's not that many. There's not that many people you want to sign anyway. You know, yeah, they, that's they were, true. They were talking about an Australian. Now, I can only think that was Cam Davis. Well, that that actually wouldn't move the needle at all. What it would do would be make the Australian live event massive, more massive. It's it wasn't Cam Davis. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say because I've be, I've told people I wouldn't say so. It was someone else. Um, yeah, I don't think that any of the deals have been done because I feel like I would have heard about it by now from somebody if they were. But, that, I mean, who knows? It's such a small, tight circle that who knows? I mean, it it could literally be on Yasser doing... Sorry, on um, the live side, it could be Yasser, um, one of the original founders from the P54 side that are doing all the talks with these negotiations and that could be it from the live side. And then an yeah. agent. And and that's why no one knows yeah. what's going on. Because yeah. you think like the John Rahm stuff, it's even when I knew it was done and I posted it on Twitter, um, people were still trying to disprove it because they didn't believe me and they couldn't they couldn't prove it right or wrong, but they were just talking about speculation and that's really impressive from yeah. everyone involved to keep it that quiet. Yeah, so. I think Magic's over there as well, isn't he? This time, he is. Yeah, he, well, Mag- from what Magic, I've heard, um, Magic, the Magic Man, he's gone. <laughs> he's he was the original guy, wasn't he? That was um, yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah. Got involved in all the player negotiations at the start, so yeah, it's a fascinating story. He was, actually, he, was got... he was he was good because he made, made he made friends with everybody, absolutely everybody. Absolutely, yeah. It's I've had this theory that if I kind of spoke to you about it the other day, if Rory was exempt to the Masters, do you think he might have gone to live? I think even Rory's probably said too much to do that. I mean, he he's changed his mind a lot in his career about a lot of things, but I think I think you know, sort of, he's come out so strong against Lee. It it would have been a big ass to do it. Money talks, we know that, and we know they have enough money to make him think about it. But I don't know. And uh, and I think in his financial situation, he's he's all right to wait while he can win the Masters. Because it's, yeah. it's beyond me, beyond me, how he's not won the Masters. Because the one t- course that's really suited to Rory's game is is Augusta. 
hundred percent. And when he was a nipper, he probably should have won it. Yeah. So I mean, was he was he in your stable back then? Yeah. When Charles won. Yeah. So it's I mean, it's that big high draw that he was hitting at the time was was just perfect. It's eats perfect. up yeah. Augusta, doesn't it? So yeah. It's uh, it's amazing. And I think I think, think he's got I think he's got enough money to think, no, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna try and win the masters. So yeah, and every right as well, because he'd be the first European golfer to complete the career grand slam. And that's um that'd be quite something. He's literally trying to make history and there's no you know, no amount of money can buy that. So I totally And he's and, and he is very good. I mean oh, he's, of course he's, he is. Yeah. He's he's very good. I mean I said I said on Matt's show a couple of weeks ago, I said, and he doesn't finish well very well. And he doesn't finish tournament stuff very well. So imagine how many of the one if he'd have put to bed some of the ones that he should have put to bed. He'd have, he'd have been yeah. up there ne- nearly with Tiger. And, and I, I, you never know with Tiger. If he, with Rory, if he won the Masters and got that monkey off his back, he might win all four in a year. Yeah, you know what I mean? You he don't, is that you don't good. Know, yeah. Might you? yeah, he is that good. He is that good. Did, you, did you happen to be at St Andrews when he lost to Cam Smith? Um, yeah, but not, not, not at the end. Not at I the end. To, I was, yeah. I went up Tuesday to Friday from I was just wondering, he that must have been heartbreak. I was wondering what he was sort of like after that. Whether, yeah, I mean, I just can't imagine that because he he's looked at his name up there, as he said, on the leaderboard from the Russics Hotel, thinking, I hope it's still there at the end of the week. And then he was just pipped at the end. So yeah, well that's what I say. He just he just struggles to finish off tournaments, and if he didn't, he would have won 70, 80 PGA Tour events and ten majors. That's yeah. how good he is. Yeah, hundred percent. So I was um I played a couple of tournaments when Rory was a junior, and um like the British boys, he was I think twelve, and he had like an entire entourage sort of coming round of him at the time. It was quite something. Everyone knew he was there. Put it that way. Is how long were you sort of uh, looking at him as a talent which you wanted to get? You know, on um, the books. It was, it was just circumstances. I knew him from thirteen years old. Because Darren Clark had a foundation and invited all the good young Irish players to Port Marnock for two two and a half days, two nights in a hotel, and 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 you know playing with Darren and coached by Darren and whatever. And Rory was on that when he was thirteen, so I knew him from wow. then on, and knew his dad from then on. And then when he was sixteen, I spoke to his dad quite a lot because we invited him to the British Masters when he was fifteen and things like that. Um, they weren't coincidences. And uh, he, uh, his dad rung me up when he was 16 and said, oh, it's getting so difficult. I've got something like 90 colleges were ringing him up, try, trying to get him. And, and wow. I just said to him, I said, well, that's easy. Just tell him you're going to turn pro. That, that ends the conversation. It's not like now where you can fudge it a bit here and, and have a Gordon's sergeant exemption in a year's time and this, that, and the other. It's not long like that then. You had to either do it or not. And and he was getting the same from a load of uh, management companies. And I said, well, you can say you're signing with me if you like. I'd like that and, and it might get a, a weight off your back. So that's what happened really. So, I, you know, I, I knew a lot about what was going on with Rory very early. Yeah, and, and he just kind of exploded onto the scene, didn't he? Did it, how soon did he win the Dubai Desert Classic? Was that his first year or his second year? Second. Second year, because I remember that, because um, I obviously followed him as a junior, and I said to my brother and all my mates, I was like, bet on this lad to win the Masters. 
and that's obviously we know what infamous year that was so yeah it's yeah. such a shame I, I have that memory as clear as day in my head is um but that was unbelievable that he went and won the Dubai Desert Classic because the, his main sponsor was Jumeirah Hotels, which were based in Dubai, and it was a, a friend yeah. that was involved, and it and a and the financial control of um, Jumeirah Hotels carried for him. Might wow. not have carried for him that week, but he certainly carried for him in that tournament. I mean, it was an amazing thing to happen. Yeah, it's ahead of its, you know, perfect timing, isn't it? Like right place, mm. right time is really what's mm. quite something. There's um I've noticed Rory lately has been kind of firing off on Twitter a little bit with a couple of pokes at Henrik Stenson in particular. Is a is is that something did you have to try and rein him in a bit? Was is he always been like that? Has he always been a bit he's always he's always been a bit like that, yeah. He's always been his yeah. own man, headstrong. That's probably what made him such a good player. I'm not so sure he types out his own messages on Twitter though not that one <laughs> <laughs> I think I think somebody else does it for him I think he might he probably directs somebody to do it but I think somebody's probably going like that on the phone just for control because we all know what it's like after you've had a few beers and getting on Twitter yeah, you can I do. I've, I've made that mistake so yeah it's um talking about having some beers I mean you've had some serious well what's the word entertaining lads on your books over the years so yeah have you got any yeah, cool yeah. stories from like you only consider yeah, no, Dan we, Clark and those lads. We, we had we had one like you were saying then with um, Lee Westwood and Twitter, and we'd been we'd come back from the PJ Championship at when Jason Duffner won, so whenever that was, and and I was very lucky to get a lift on his and somebody else's plane, and and Lee was Lee had a bad last last day. Uh, maybe even last 36, but certainly last, last day. And we were getting stuck into it and on the plane. And he was perhaps getting stuck into it more than I was. Um, and, and then we carried on at his house, because his house was an open house and always had a lot of wine, a lot of beer, a lot of this. Thing. So so we carried on. And I got home um, maybe half two. And I thought he'd gone to bed. And at six... 15 in the morning, I text goes, look at it. And it's my lad, Tom, text me and said, Lee's having some fun on Twitter, Dad. So I had a look. And he was, <laughs> he, he was, he was blasting everybody, everybody that had a go at him for, for, for being a, a choker or this or that. He was firing back at everybody. And I'm looking at this thinking, oh, my God. And I'm, I'm still way over the limit. Got sort of my lad thinking it's hilarious what's going on, and I'm I'm ringing media guys and whatever, say whoa whoa whoa, and getting trying to delete these texts and whatever. It was absolutely bonkers, <laughs> but I, I'll never wow. forget it. My lad say Lee's having some fun on Twitter, like hell he was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, we had a few, yeah, we I mean, had a few, we had a few parties. We had a few, we had a big party after Darren won the Open, as you can imagine. Yeah, I can totally imagine that. Is it, so? How would you? Is that something you organised for the lads? Like, yeah. would you? Yeah, yeah. So, what would you do? Like, book out a hotel or, or like get a restaurant or something? It's never that difficult. Because at the Masters and 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 even the US Open and the British Open, we used to have a, a hub house for all the players to come and eat at and drink at. So we we already have ten cases of wine and. 10 cases of beer and lots of this, that, and the other. So there was always a party at hand if you needed it. 
you know, we did, it didn't take any organising because it was already there. But yeah. uh, Garky, Garky was, he went for it that night. He did well. But, how many beers I mean, can he drink out of the claret jug? He was, he was, no, he was drinking red wine, I think. That was the claret jug. But he, he can drink, he had a spell where he could drink monumental amounts of Guinness and not get pissed. And then as he got a bit older and as he got out of practice, then you sort of think, you're getting pissed now. Because he, he he would when I when I first got to know him, sort of when he was early twenties, he drink he could drink fifteen pints of Guinness. I mean, imagine how full you are after that. In his early twenties as well. That's that's quite something. Yeah, yeah, no, he, but he's always been a Guinness drinker. Mm. Always. Not as much in Bahamas, because I don't think they have a proper pint of Guinness in the Bahamas, but I think he has sea breezes there. I think Sea Breeze <laughs> yeah. is, is, is his Guinness substitute. But, you know, he, he used to go down the Harbour Bar in Porthcourt and, and it, you know, that would be his home patch and he would have he would have a proper session on Guinness. He'd love it. He'd love it. Yeah, I can totally imagine. Is, um, who, did you ever have a... Was Ernie Elzo on your books? Yeah. He was. Because I imagine, yeah. obviously, having... You've got Westy, Clarky, Ernie Els. Um, they all certainly like a good time, don't they? So I can imagine yeah. what that was like. Ernie was Ernie was interesting because Ernie 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 used to go big after the tournament. You never he'd hardly drink at all during the week, and then now and again you'd know he was on it. I mean, there's legendary tales that went with about him, you know, sort of being there when the the, the breakfast staff came in the next morning, and you know that Burma Road bar really was was his midden. And when he <laughs> when it when he won the open, he went straight back there. Did he went it? straight back there? Yeah, yeah. I've nah, had a couple of stories. Professional drinker. Yeah, yeah. It's I played a bit of Wentworth actually. I I knew the captain last year, so we were up there a couple of times. And um, yes, there were some good stories floating around about him and some of the other yeah, lads as well. You know, Miguel. all went the KP and the captain, don't you? Yeah, we played with um, who's it? We played with Tim Sherwood um, last year. That was good fun. He's a good lad. Yeah. Yeah. He's a really good crack. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was... Uh, we're talking about some stories. I saw some good photos of the Johnny Walker Classic, which I believe was in Thailand in 97 or 8. And mm -hmm. um, there's one of a young, very young tiger. Um, and he's he's got... I think he's got a bottle of tequila or something. He's pouring it into someone's drink, whether it's Ernie or one of the other lads. Is I didn't think Tiger was much of a drinker. So was he a bit more in his younger days or... Um, in his younger days, I think he kept it very, very quiet. Yeah. You know, if if he did, you didn't know. And then, as he got a bit older, then he, there were there were times when you knew he'd had a good night. But uh, there's there's no there's no real stories about Tiger drinking. I mean, he he's made golf what it is. I mean, he he was such an athlete that anybody having a beer felt guilty because. Tiger was getting one over him, so it was it was a funny time because nobody went in the gym until he came along, really, to that to that excess. Because when I played, you were sort of almost taught to to be careful you don't bulk up your arms because it will ruin your short game. And my arm, my 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 biceps are about that big, tiny, because <laughs> so I never nice. did anything. Uh, you know that's that's probably why I fly at about one ninety on in the air now, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's arm like that. I've got no biceps. I've got Paul Casey forearms. But yeah, that's all too. we worked on. Me too. Yeah. Me too. My forearms are bigger than my biceps. It's weird, isn't it, how things change now? Because it's it's totally yeah. different. It really isn't. It's always well, a guy at, that's... You look, you look at Kepka now, he's like a, a middleweight boxer, isn't he? He is, yeah. And that was always... Um, I remember just as I sort of jacked it in, um, that's what everyone used to say, the younger lads that were coming through, was that they'd wanted the body of a middleweight, middleweight boxer. So, yeah, I think you, you obviously know what you're talking about there. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's with the, with the Tiger stuff and the way he developed fitness in the game. Do you think obviously it's improved the level of sta- uh, the standard of the guys, and they they hit it much further, and they're they're much better now. But they're almost a little bit robotic, and you don't have the same sort of characters that you used to have like thirty years ago. Do you think he had an impact that's, on that that's as well? What, that's what, I think that's just old sport. I mean, if you talk to an old footballer, they have stories like you've never heard point. before. Compared with yeah. young footballers, that even now young footballers fun now is going out and spraying the whole club with bottles of champagne. You know what I mean? It's yeah. they don't they don't they don't get stuck into ten pints and and whatever whatever. They they just I mean they behave like lunatics. Some of them. Yeah. some of the stories you hear from the the Manchester club, China Whites and plays like it's frightening, frightening. I imagine. Yeah, we I know Matt the tears really well. And um, he used to do a lot of stuff which you just couldn't do now playing in the Premier League. No. Because you just have a heart attack. If you you know had a KFC at half-time, <laughs> you'd never make the end of the game. Mm. That's badly timed after the Luton player on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, bad stuff. Is he, how's he doing? I, I don't actually... I haven't followed the keep, He's still in for tests. But they, they would do, wouldn't they? They can't risk him coming out and his heart going wrong again. Can't believe he played after the last one. But he was obviously cleared to play, else he wouldn't have done it. And he wouldn't have been able to get insurance. Yeah. Because you remember um, somebody, you remember I was at the ground at uh, Tottenham when uh, Fabrice Mwamba had a heart attack on the pitch and died. And and he came, oh God. He, he came around after 45 minutes and was in hospital for about two weeks. And then six months later, was perfectly fit and wanted to play again. And he couldn't because Bolton couldn't, nobody could get him insured. So how they got it's Tom Lockyer insured after after what had happened is interesting. I didn't know that, actually, that it was just an insurance thing. I figured he did it for his own, sort of his family. And his, no, and his, his own insurance house, so. one. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. Is, so do you, do you, when you were managing these guys, did you have to get them insured um, golf-wise? Like how... How does that go about? How do you how do you yeah. do that? Well, you, you used to get insurance because you get to loss of earnings if they have more than two weeks off, and right. you know because because they all have mortgages and things, you know, and they they hadn't they hadn't built up their wealth to to sort of survive a you know a year off, and and they had you know they had sort of six figure contracts in many instances. So you're insuring the contracts and then you're insuring for a loss of prize money. And the premiums got bigger and bigger, obviously, because they needed more and more money. But you couldn't you couldn't let them not have the, their mortgage covered. That was the thing. Now it don't matter. They've all got billions in the bank. It don't matter as much. But... Yeah, it's very true. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've covered so much here. There's probably not a lot more to ask. But what do you think of the direction the European Tour's heading right now? Like giving away the 10 cards every year and now accepting five members that have sort of lost their card in the States? Um, I don't think that's such a bad thing, really. Um, you, you, 
you can't deny the young guys wanting to go to America. That's what they're going to, you know, one way or another, they were going to go there, either go to the school or get a card. My guys all got cards by being in the top 50 in the world and playing enough world championship events that counted in America. So none of them ever went to the tour school. But you could see two or three years ago, it was changing and the, 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 the European tour had been completely bamboozled over the world ranking points. And I saw that coming yeah. quite early. And I, Mitch Waite, I got to go to the tour school in America two and a half years ago. I said, you need to do this because there'll be so few world ranking points in Europe from then on, apart from the very big events, that you won't be able to get up the world rankings. I've not, because I'm, I'm not involved now, I don't really sort of analyse it like you used to. But I bet there's a lot less players in the top 100 from the European tour than there used to be. Big time. Yeah. I'm sure is. there's a lot less. Um, and I think that's that's a pity. I mean, the world the world rankings you, you can't even call them world rankings anymore because the best players are not there, are they? There's, there's such a chunk of good players on the left top. You know, if you're in the top fifty on on the world rankings, you're probably in the top seventy five in the world. Yeah, you know, there's probably twenty five of Lib would have been in the top seventy five. So it's it's a it's a bit. I think it's a shame that. They've not worked out how to do that because I think they obviously thought Liv wasn't there to stay. And then everybody got anti it because he's softened a lot, hasn't it? Now, you know, a yeah. year ago, everybody was so anti Liv, it was unbelievable. Now it's softened a bit. And I think it's it's perhaps only, a, only another maybe year till the majors then get their heads together. If this carries on like it is, Get that as see and say, listen, why don't we just give the top eight on the lifter an exemption to each match? And that yeah. solved the problem. And it would also make the guys play harder on lift to get in that top eight. Absolutely. You know, the, some of the guys not exempt, they've got they've got no real incentive to not be eleventh. You know, it don't matter. Whereas if the top eight got on in the majors, then they would be playing like hell to get from eleventh to eight. And it would yeah, just totally increase the excitement, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, I 100 agree. It was, um, it would be good for every everyone, really. It'd be good for the majors yeah. because if they have all the well, best players in the world, then that's. I think what's great now for for the likes of you and I watching a major is that the majors are like getting like the four grand stands in tennis, where that's the only time all the top players play each other, and it's it's the same in golf now. You know, when when you watch when you watch a major now, you've got everybody. That you want to see playing each other, and that's the only time during the year. Yeah, it's. Do you think that's a really bad thing? Because I've heard a lot of people use that as a narrative. No, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think the majors are, are the majors, and and in a way that those four tournaments are sacrosanct, aren't they? You know, the, the USPJ yeah. is not talked about as being a weak major any year anymore because it's just as strong as the others because they get a great field now. So I think, you know, in a way, I think the fact that the, those four tournaments are much bigger than everything else is probably a good thing. Yeah, I certainly agree. And the biggest one that's going to have to make a change is, is Augusta, because I think from next year onwards, because of the way the world rankings is, it's going to be almost a PJ Tour event because, you know, they're, they're going to next year, they're having shorter fields with no cuts. And it's, you know, it's kind of a similar thing. Although there is a cut at Augusta, it's not very many are going to be cut out. And it's it's effectively well, I think, a PJ Tour event. I think... I think if you spread that narrative, it'd be quite interesting. <laughs> I've, I've done that before. It's going to become a PGA tournament. 
it's yeah. I've I've said a couple of things about uh, the Masters before uh, and how their strength of field is is overrated, and um, I think it's going to start to really actually. It's not even a narrative. I'm not doing it just you know to be controversial. Is it's pretty much a fact that in the coming years they're going to be a PGA Tour field plus a few past champions and a couple of amateurs who have qualified in because that's how you get into the, the Masters, right? You win a PGA Tour event, you come top 30 on the FedEx Cup or you're in the top 50 on the OWGR, which you can't do unless you're in the PGA Tour. So how's Adrian Moronk? If he was still playing European Tour next year, he qualified this year by the European Tour. He wouldn't be able to do that now. It would just be impossible. So, yeah, but you're right. I will get a lot of pushback about that one. <laughs> I think... I, I think, I I think uh... Who is it, Fred Ridley? Isn't it? I think he. I think he changed. I think they get. I think they find a way to get the right people there. But I mean, their one thing that they could always say was they had who they wanted there. Even yeah. twenty years ago, when they had no rules, they had who they wanted there. That's true because they could just extend an invite now to Taylor Gooch if they wanted to. Yeah. They could do that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you said you had some questions for me, so have they been answered? That was the one. No, I asked you. No, I only had the one. I said, the who, fifth, yeah. who, "Who wants what out of this meeting this week?" And you didn't know either. I don't. I have no idea. I've no idea what they want going into that room. I've no idea what they think to win when they come out again, because the tour have got three and a half billion of of, of private equity now, and Yasser, what you know, what does he want? Does he does he want a seat at the table? Maybe he wants more than everybody else. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there, there could be an option that he puts the money in equity for the PJ Tour and leaves Liv out of the entire deal, and keeps yeah. that as his own little thing. I mean, that would be fascinating if he did that. Yeah. So, how how would you bring it back together if you were the middleman there trying to sort these negotiations out? How would you do it? Uh, I think there's room for Liv to coexist. September to de- December. I think they can play this September to December without too much destruction and play where they want to play. Because the, the one thing that we probably don't quite understand is how big it was in Australia. You know, I mean, yeah. for Australia to get those players there, it, it was it's massive. I mean, we have the Open. So everybody comes to Britain once a year for the Open. Whereas in Australia, some of those guys never had been to Australia before. And and I would think there might well be one in South Africa soon. You see, I, I heard Liv, when this was starting out, they were going to all buy their own golf course for their team. So the team would have a home golf course. Makes a lot of sense. You know, Strikers, Strikers Golf and Country Club will be booked out with golf days because that's where the Liv team plays. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 and you know, Per se, the Majestics would be playing at JCB or whatever. You know, that, that made a lot of sense that, that each team would have a home course and they would play it around the world. It's, I heard they did say this on a, in a press conference about, about August time. I think Bryson said it and Bubba Watson said the same thing, that they would have home venues going forwards with like training camps and stuff yeah. like that. So why yeah. not? Are you letting us into a secret there? Are the Majestics going to the JCB? No, not, not, no. Not a, well, no, I've got a feeling JCB's, it's not as big as the pit, but it's bigger than the lift. <laughs> yeah. It's a, pretty big, it's a pretty big company. It is a no. massive company. That, 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 that was built for their guests and clients and as, as a marketing tool. It's, actually, here's a really random question. Would, um, 
Lord Bamford has been a big supporter of the government over the years. Like, is he? Um, how would he? How does he sort of Saudi money coming into a sport like this? Is that something which affects his views, like politically wise? Because everyone sort of brought politics into golf now. What do you I make? Think, I think I, I think I said earlier in this podcast that um, JCB were going to benefit out of a huge amount of business in Saudi, and already yeah. does business there. So don't think it worries him too much. Quietly. Probably wouldn't wouldn't worry the Tories either because they'd be out of taxes. No, so, yeah. no. it's uh, yeah. This uh, they they have India's their biggest overseas market, I think now. Really, yeah. Mm. That doesn't surprise me. You but see, I'm, I think yeah, I, I think Liv will have a, an event in India soon. Mister yes. Munjal, Mister Munjal from Heroes, bound to want a live event sooner or later. Well, that was the talk at Centurion, but it seems to have gone quiet because I thought there was going to be an international series event next year in India, and it appears that there hasn't been. And the DP World Tour has just re-sanctioned uh, re the, um, it might be co, actually, with the Indian uh, Pro PGA Tour, um, yeah, the, the Indian Open. And it's, and it's so, here, oh, isn't it? It is, yeah. So I'll be surprised if he now starts sponsoring any live stuff immediately. But um, I guess we'll just have to see how that goes. Uh, yeah, so outside of um, professional golf, how's your game? Um, my game is shite. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's a shame because I try quite hard now. And because I had a spell where I just didn't play and I didn't care. And, and you know, like when I say I spell 20 years. And now, because I've got time, now I, I practice a bit and I go and play or whatever. And I'm a very nice 16 handicap. But I definitely win and lose my games on the first tee. Right. It's got to be, I've got to get the conditions right. So can't go further back than the other tees, else it's too long. And I've got to make sure I've got enough shots. And the shot index, the stroke index is indelibly uh, etched in my brain. So, you know, when, when they say you're getting nine shots, Chubby, I have to try and get to 11. Because if I get 11, I get a shot on the last four holes. If I only get if I only get nine, I get three of the last four holes, and if I only get eight, I only get two of the last four holes. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a negotiation, but I really enjoy playing. I mean, it's a lovely, lovely place to play golf. And as I said to you before, you know, to to play a golf course where there's very few people playing it, and this, I mean, a very simple thing, and it's you can do it at JCB, you can't do it everywhere else. It's fifteen minute intervals. That makes an unbelievable amount of difference. Yeah, it really does. You know what I mean? It just spaces everybody out at the beginning, and then uh, the the only problem is the rough in the in the summer. The the fescues end up about three feet deep, and everybody loses a dozen balls. In fact, if you find a golf ball at JCB, it's never an old one because nobody's ever had it long enough. So they're all, <laughs> they're all find loads of new cyclists in the rough everywhere. But it's a nice. it's a nice place, nice place to play golf. 15 minute in intervals make such a big difference because I was um I worked in a shop at my local muni and they were six minutes and that yeah. was just insane. So, yeah. Well it's just too much. Takes a four ball with good pre-shot routine, six minutes to tee off. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. I mean golf golf, golf psychologists have a lot to do with slow play. Because they just take so I think I like Aberg. Aberg Aberg to me, he plays the game very quickly. He plays the game very well, and he's a good-looking lad. He's going to make fortunes. 
Yeah, you'd love to have him on your books, wouldn't you? Fortunes. Well, I said to somebody in the summer, I said, he's the best young player to turn pro since I've seen Rory. But he's he's not that young, though, is he? Because he's like 24, I think. He's 23, 24. So he's not too young. He's, it's almost he's, like he's a polished he, pro already. He's he's young enough. Yeah. He's young enough to accumulate an awful lot of cash. <laughs> That's true. Did you think he's a potential future world number one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But somebody else will come along, won't they? You know, another two or three years' time, there'll be somebody else like that. Because everybody, you know, because the, the equipment's so good and the data that everybody gets from that equipment and on those golf courses is so good. It, it's unbelievable. I mean, I don't know how many wedges a top player has anymore, but you just, I just get the impression now that. You know, they'll have eight degrees of bounce for some courses and 11 for another course, you know, and, and the, the, the whole game's refined, doesn't it? This whole, yeah. the whole, and, that's, and that's why it's got better. I mean, the, the problem with golf is it's, it's, it's gone past natural talent and it's now minute detail. And it's like Dave, Dave Brailsford said, it's small games, isn't it? So every every year the club manufacturers come out with something else that's a small game. And if 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 somebody like Aberg or Rory or somebody gets half a percent up extra out of everybody on the field, that's massive. And it's and it's all there. I I I went to Callaway about three years ago with Matt Wallace. And while we were there, they were testing with Xander Shoffley. And they worked out that his ball was spinning too much mid-flight, not off the not off the club head, but when it was 150 yards out, it was spinning too much. And they were saying, if we do this, if we do this, and if we do that, and we give you this, and we take half an inch off the shaft, we'll find you 10 yards. 10 yards? That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's crazy. So, so it's no wonder everybody plays better, is it? No. Now they're talking about the rollback. They need to roll back technology, don't they, if they're doing that kind of thing? Well, the, 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 problem, <laughs> the, well, the, the, rollback, the problem with the rollback is not going to happen until 28. Why, why affect all the amateurs? That doesn't make sense. And they haven't done enough to the pros. You know, if, if you made them use a wooden shaft, a wooden head, they'd find out a way of getting a wooden head that would hit it for cricket bats. Yeah, you should have asked KP about cricket bats. So I bet, I bet the cricket bat now it's it twenty five meters further than it used to, and that's wood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, it is saying something because you see some of these sixes now, especially in the short form of the game, like they just send it out of the ground, don't they? Oh, well, they just it's it hundred meters. That's yeah. a that's a that's a nine iron for me. It's a sand <laughs> iron. It's a, it's a sand iron for you, but yeah. 100, 100 metres, that's unbelievable. So, I was just thinking, actually, you, I can't believe you're playing off 16. That's, you just sound like a bad But I should be higher. Lower? I'm 70 years old. What do you want? I don't know, because you've been asking for a shot of hole with me. I just, I can't be doing well, that. No way. It, it, listen, if you're thinking it's a shot of hole, it'll be a shot of hole and two on about four holes. That's, <laughs> that's, how, that's how good I am on the first tee. Fair play. Oh, man. Yeah, well, um, is you said next? I think it's next year. Your book's coming out. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. um, I think we should to wrap this up on a positive, and I um, maybe get you back on just before that comes out and is really yeah, fun. If that's cool, fun. Yeah, enjoyed it.
Nice you tell you this, look but, after look after Matt. I don't think he gets to learn as much as you were. It's I'm trying. I'm gonna get him on a bit more. I think he'd be a good sort of like co-analyst. Got, it'd, be, it'd be great for you, yeah. the two of you, because you 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 same audience, but you'd you'd have a more varied program, wouldn't you? I think it, yeah. You know, if you did that, what if you did that once a month? What you should do, I'm not telling you what to do, but what you should do should do it before, just do it four times a year before every major. Yeah, if you do it before because he's unbelievable at picking winners on majors. You do it before every major. You've got the major coming up. You can talk about who's informed this, that, and the other. You've got this side. He's got that. It'd be great program. Great. Yeah, program. he's he's good. And it's um, like I said, I think I said earlier, I never intended on doing a podcast. So this is kind of all just kind of mean it's all very new. But um, yeah, it'd be good to sort of get someone in and make it a bit more of a better show because I think yeah. you know there's plenty of content out there, but there's there's also a different side that we can but, do. So, but but to get two different points, that's why that no laying up works so well because there's, there's things coming at you all the time isn't there, from the different is, guys. Yeah. Where where is it behind you? Um. You probably, I don't know if you know the course. This is Stoneham. This is my home club. Oh, I played Stoneham. Yeah. I played Stoneham. Richard Bland plays nice, there as well. Nice That's... course. You've just got a new short game area. That's right. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, Jamie Edwards did it. He was involved. Yeah, heavily involved. It's, yeah. Um, there, yeah. It's, you must know Ian Young, who's the pro there. Oh, he's Scottish not anymore. I think he's retired. Was he Scottish? Um, he's not Scottish, no. Oh, it was an Ian, Ian Young that played the tour that was Scotland. He did. I think he did play on tour for a bit, but he he got yeah. um some issues, yeah, in his wrists. I think it was his wrist, and he's had to stop playing. He held like I think he held a dozen course records around our area at one did stage. He? Wow, really good player. Um, yeah, he's a he's a bit of a legend. So you probably know. I imagine if you saw his face, you probably be like, oh, I do know who you are. So oh, but yeah, there's a lot of people like that. Yeah. The stuff. Well, um, yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Chubby. It's been an absolute right. pleasure. Yeah, anytime. I hope people Let's do it, it again. Let's nice do it one. again. All Have right. Have a good evening, mate. Cheers. Thanks a lot. You too.